0: Of, uh,
1: uh stop to be honest. i think it's like the eighth
0: it's the eighth episode cool well everyone welcome i'll be hosting tonight's event all that kind of stuff uh today's episode is on uh well reality really um knowledge uh, what is your relationship to uh, what reality fundamentally is what is what is uh what is a tree when it falls in the woods if no one's present uh, that sort of thing uh, how do you relate to it uh, that that being all of it so um basically i want to give some sort of idea of, as to what this topic is before i spread it around so you all can characterize it a bit more but basically what is um without your knowledge of reality what is reality that, that's really the most fundamental uh, aspect of this topic and i'm really interested to see what y'all have to say about it um this is something i've thought about for a really long time Uh, recently i went to a lecture uh that kind of merged the works of uh, wittgenstein with uh schopenhauer and he had this whole idea uh schopenhauer on um uh will and representation it was really interesting and i'll get into it later but uh yeah Uh, i wanted to start off uh, maybe we can start with uh brayton if you want to oh man (laughs) of course
1: (laughs) the one guy who's got no idea what's going on here oh my goodness um uh i don't know uh how much of reality is is determined by my knowledge of it or dependent on my knowledge of it i mean it feels like Like none of it is. Like if none of us were here, all of this stuff would just be going on without us, and there just never would have been any, you know, Roman Empire, microwaves, like you were saying before we got recording, or any of the, you know, I guess things that we've made up in the meantime. Uh, But I guess maybe if that's what we're talking about, like the uh, the sort of subjective things that we've created that have no bearing on any of the physical truths about the universe um for example one of the things i wrote down while we were talking in a little bit of the preliminary uh, bit was gender and i honestly have no idea if that has anything to do with the discussion but it's something that is not a natural physical part uh, at least not in the way that we describe it today uh, as like a difference between biological sex and gender. Like that's something that we completely came up with as human beings on our own, um, as well as other things like art, like we were talking about before. Um, we observe things as art and we also create art, but those kind of don't really exist outside of our purview, uh, so to speak. So I don't know. I'm I'm trying to learn a little bit more about what exactly we're talking about. And I'm sure that'll come in time. <laughs> so. Cool. All right. Well, with that,
0: uh, Tanner, you would like to carry it on.
2: Well, kind of in the same vein that Brayden started on. Um,
0: there is,
2: in at least my purview of the universe, an objective and a subjective reality that we Occupy. The objective reality is informed mostly by physical aspects of things, you know, speed of light, mass of, you know, uh, particles, etc., etc. But once any of those effects cross that that line to our body, cross the impulses to the skin, cross the uh, lens of the eye, and get interpreted by our brain it is immediately warped, changed, and um, unfixed from its fixed position. I uh, think of normal reality from my purview as being a fixed point in the universe, and our perception of it is constantly moving around it. We're constantly seeing different sides of something that doesn't actually have different sides. We're just informed based on our perceptions that, oh, these things are changing. This is our interpretation of Pretty much a completely chaotic system, more or less, but uh that about sums up my my stance as of right now
0: cool, all right, well, without further ado, I'd love to hear what Stephen has to say
2: yeah, okay, well,
3: um evening, brothers and sisters welcome uh I'm happy to be here again. I'm uh looking forward to trevor's topic here um I don't have very many opinions right now. I'm actually gauging a lot of what my counterparts here are are saying and uh, just trying to understand, you know, what we're talking about here. Um I think I think that uh, like Trevor said a little bit before we started the uh episode, I don't think I don't think anyone in this podcast is very um idealist, so we'll see we'll see what happens.
2: Cool. Actually I will I will say something conflicting huh? to something Brayton said. I don't think the universe goes on unless we are here to interpret it. Huh?
0: Is that to say that your conceptualization I, That's to say our
2: mm-hmm. perception of things. Hmm? Mm-hmm is reality
0: right so is that to say that you're you're sort of uh for there's to be such a thing as a universe that is to say the concept it requires a perceiver in order to sort of create that distinction between what is and is not uh, yeah which is the writing force to to create this distinction of universe and not universe and this comes down to what i wanted to bring up here and why i think this is a really interesting conversation uh, one issue is it's really hard to breach into to know exactly what we're talking about um so so and the reason and the reason why that is is uh, well not to talk about why that is but just to characterize it a little bit i want to i want to think about something like an island and the ocean surrounding the island so what exactly is the thing that separates an island Uh, From the ocean, Uh, what makes that distinction there? Uh, It's it's sure to say that there is such a thing. There is the underlying um, uh, activity that is that is the uh, soil that makes up the island and the and the water that makes up the sea that surrounds it. But what? Why is it an island in that ocean? Why is it not all considered to be one object? Why is it not all one thing in that way? Well, it seems to me to be a sort of, uh, not a sort of, but absolutely an activity of the perceiver that perceives it. It's, it yeah. seems necessary or contingent. And in the same way, what separates the earth from the outer space that surrounds it? Or this solar system from the next? Or uh, chemistry from cell biology? Or cell well, biology from neural activity? Really, truly, well, it's something that you do on a deeply individual level. It's something your mind state experiences.
2: Well, The universe is made up of many systems working, for the most part, harmonically. So take the perception of someone from a thousand years ago before the theory of the atom became an, an actually respected concept. Things were just doing things as they were. There were no further interactions. There were no subatomic particles dictating things. There were no wave functions collapsing and coming into existence. Things just did things as that's what they did. It was all a different system, but we broke it down further into a much smaller system that dictates everything else, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. Mm -hmm. So while we are a a collection of many systems working in harmony to create our perception of everything and the way everything affects us, at the same time, that is all still one massive system working in harmony. I mean, think of it like a clock.
0: stephen i'm I'm curious how you feel about the conversation so far. I can already hear the gears turning in your mind of <laughs> no
3: well, so I mean, not that I don't appreciate what's been said thus far, but uh i just i feel like I feel like a lot of my counterparts tonight are forgetting just the idea of exclusive language in other words why why do we call an island an island and not? just recognize it as the same object as the things around it For just i mean nothing else but our convenience i mean if um if we were an ant uh our our definition of where island begins and ends could very well be different just because we're different sized beings as an ant um hopefully i'm making sense in other words depending yeah. on how far or how you know in you zoom um whether you're zooming out or zooming in uh you know an island is the same object as the earth, of course, it is if you zoom out far enough, uh the whole earth is just one object um yeah, uh, so once again, what do I mean by exclusive language? Well, for those of us listening um who who may not uh be all the way on board, um the thing in my hand right now is a pencil um it's easier for humans to tell each other, hey, this is a pencil. Instead of just going through the list of, of uh, not infinite things, but, you know, incalculable things it's not. In other words, it's not a pen. It's not a fork. It's not a spoon. It's not a computer screen.
2: incalculable street. things that it is. Right? Uh,
3: well, what I'm trying to say is, like, we, we've just stained that this collection of uh, particles is a pencil. And we all have a common idea about what that is. And that's Mm -hmm. why we're the dominant life form on this planet. (laughs) We've decided that uh, we can communicate this information to each other. Uh, And nowadays we do it across time and across space.
0: Yeah. Um, So one thing I want to say about this that's really concerning and why I think this is a really interesting topic. When you said you zoom out and it's all one object. Well, here's what's that's the challenge. An object is something uh, you create and go this is an object right here in distinction to everything around it. It's something that you can sort of uh, you have to have some sort of counter position, uh, some sort of thing that isn't that object in order for that to actually be a something And in the same way that this is the earth. Uh, the reason why I could say this is the earth is because I have something in distinction all around it, the not earth, that is to say empty space or the rest of the solar system, whatever point I'm trying to get across to you. So so when you remove the the mind state from the equation, the, the mind that is currently encapsulating reality according to those means, it doesn't seem that there are such thi- such thing as object because you quite literally need something to create such a category and, and to have something else against it to be the antithesis of uh, that particular object in mind. It seems like there, uh, it, it really does dissolve into nothingness. Uh, so here's something I've been thinking about for a really long time. Um, I've never been, and I want to see how y'all feel specifically about this, I've never been entirely satisfied with the way that uh, Western religions sort of encapsulate what reality fundamentally is. It always goes into something that, such as, um, you know, how many angels are on the head of a pen, or or more, more specifically, it goes into the deeply uh, spiritual elements of what it means to be a human being. It, it, it phases into the psychology of a human being. Such as uh, Jesus uh, and, and uh, being a Jesus wept, that is to say, God weeps uh, for the human experience and that sort of thing. Or, or more specifically, the uh, doctrine of like uh, hum, uh, humans uh, of uh, the original sin, that sort of thing. These things are very psychologically uh, strong. It's really written into being a person that feels sort of attenuated to these things. But they don't, they're not that compelling in terms of ontology. And the actual, what seems to be the structure of reality outside of our own minds. But you know what does? And this is really strange. What does is the idea of uh, nothingness, being that which is once you are not. And, and it's really interesting. Now, I don't believe anything such as, or I don't see any reason to believe. Uh, that the Buddha was born out of his mother's side, or anything like that, or, or there was such thing as uh, Indra's net, or or thousands of gods for every behind every glass eye, or some strange esoteric something or other like that. But it's really interesting to me that it seems to me as you really go into it, all the way into what reality fundamentally is. Once you get rid of all the fluff, because that's all we, that's really the whole point of this entire topic is getting into the truth of the matter. Once you get rid of your own ideological lens, I just want to see what is, so I can actually see it. I just want to see it. Uh, It comes down to nothingness.
2: If you completely sever yourself from from the interpretation of reality, that is, you stop being an observer. Mm -hmm. What is this?
0: It doesn't seem like you can have such a thing as thisness anymore,
2: because it's no, no. This this isn't anything. Mm-hmm. This is meaningless. So what does that? If have... you sever yourself mm-hmm. from if you sever yourself from observation, there isn't anything. Well,
0: here's what's here's here's why that's important. That statement, uh, Tanner. Here's why that's important, because uh, a lot of the things that we've talked about so far through this podcast seem to be contingent upon that. Not, if not not being true, uh, now needing a lot more conversation or ma- make them tenable or make sense. If what you just said now, Tanner, that being that there isn't anything uh, once you're not part of the equation. Uh, yeah, if without that is your true,
2: perception to inform it.
0: Yes. You. Yeah, absolutely. If that is true, uh, what is that to say about the objectivity of morality to say that we're going in some actual direction? Because if it's all contingent upon your mind state and just it acting out the way that it acts, what does that have to say about the objectivity of anything? It seems to all be contingent upon and based in your own perceptions. So, what is that? How does that characterize what is? How does reality? That...
2: Reality is by its own nature chaotic. We are the people who perceive, inform ourselves on it, and then put our own rules on everything.
0: It doesn't seem like that's true either, though, because chaos is is the distinction away from what is ordered. That is to say that you see chaos in, in distinction to what you can see as what you want to be order. That is to say you want disorder to no longer arise and create some sort of uh, structure. But order, uh, disorder necessarily presupposes such a thing as order. Uh, neither one is true if I'm not in the room. Uh, these distinctions are entirely something that a mind state encapsulates about its current position. If you want to talk about suchness, or not even suchness, just and not even nothingness, but quite literally, it does. It doesn't seem like you you're talking about anything anymore. You can't say disorder because there is no order. You can't talk about order either. There is no order. There is no such thing as distinction. And if you say no. these things, what does that have to say about? Well, is it okay to insert immoral thing here? is it okay what is reality fundamentally at this point we've reached into something so, that really so pulls look, the carpet people, out underneath those people, people. people it's really interesting look, it is look. please get in there get him
1: get him
3: <laughs> what what, Mom, I'm, you. what i'm trying to say is uh i i have to be i have to say to trevor Something that I know he can't disagree with. Okay, we can we can suggest at the very least that uh, reality. Um, the more and more you look at it, is more and more of an interaction.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: so in other words, uh, uh, it's actually a very big problem. In in the bleeding edge of science, we're talking about like what is a detector what 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 is a detector like um a lot of people criticize um uh, things like quantum physics, you know um at least half heartedly uh about like needing to know what a detector is I mean you are a detector you you have lots of detectors uh we have senses that that do these things that carry out these processes for us. Why do they do that because there's a biological uh uh advantage to do so, okay. So, let's talk about removing ourselves from the equation. If, if I cease, if my conscious activity ceases, uh, this, this stuff around me is going to keep going. The, the chemical processes that, that are in equilibrium all around me are not going to stop just because I'm no longer here uh that that's that, that would just be highly vain um and, and ultimately stupid uh to 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 assume that you're so important that,
1: that you know
3: <laughs> stuff's going to stop without me that's not true and and we know that's not true um it's uh if reality is more and more the interaction then your conscious mind is actually the interactions between this
2: gene machine of a body that we have uh, against the natural world
1: i if I can jump in there, I completely agree, and the whole time i'm I'm sitting there thinking like, well, I hope we're all working under the assumption that you know we're not all floating around in some nothingness because. Jim Bob died last week, and since he kicked the can, we're all like yeah. floating in some ethereal <laughs> <We'll say laughs> whatever. This, we'll,
3: let me let me say this, Bray. Let me say this. I talk to my students about this. I talk to my closest friends about this, especially on some journeys. You know, uh, look look, our our consciousness, or what we what like our continuing movement through time that we perceive, however you want to call that uh is like this quantum wave state like what we we are writing on top of this electrical signal in the brain um we're not the electrical signal itself that would be foolish to say so you 're an individual electrical signal in your brain that's not possible can't be you you are a you're an electrical signal and you're a collection of those signals you you are a collection of all the metabolic pathways in your body blah 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 you're riding a wave of all these things. That's you up there. You're riding this wave.
0: Right, right. Uh, so so that's a particular... Uh, so in philosophy of mind, talking about what is fundamentally experience, that was a particular perspective that I, I personally was very convinced by. It. And uh, when I was uh, taking that class, I, I wrote an entire final paper. On it. It's on. Uh, for anyone interested, it's called epiphenomenal. Uh, Epi It's called an EpiPhenomenon or that is to say it's epiphenomenalism, uh, the belief that you're sort of an aftershock or riding the wave, as Stephen said, of what is, what is taking place inside of your brain. A television is currently playing a TV show, uh, an experience, let's say, because of the lights that are currently being given off uh, from that, those nodes or those um, uh, little flashing but, lights, those pixels yeah. on, the, on the television. However, but, but, no, uh, but no
3: TV show is just an individual pixel you feel them? no
0: absolutely no it's 100 percent. it would be a very shitty tv show it, yeah so, it'd, be, it'd
3: be literally on or off in like three different states the three different colors and that's, that's it right,
0: that's I right. mean, you know oh boy it's blue it's it's and and uh, yes and that's that's essentially what epiphenomenalism is and just to follow it down to what it is what's really interesting is the television doesn't actually what what's being shown on the television the the show that's currently being watched has no influence on what the nodes are actually doing, or the pixels are actually doing. The television—it's a quote—epi phenomenon. It happens after the effect. That is to say that the entire universe is itself a an entire uh, material thing that takes off completely no, due to cause and effect. No,
3: no, 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 no. This this mm. epi this epi idea assumes that like time is real. Okay, like uh, what I what I mean by that is um hmm. there's a very substantial argument to say okay time is real there's also another substantial argument to say that time is just kind of something that we have to describe the forward movement
2: of uh of events like you know the degradation of a system yeah
3: i mean you know as entropy flows what happens while it goes you, you know what i mean so hmm. like this aftershock effect it's an interesting idea but what our what we need to be aware of is that there's another kind of school of thought there that um it like it, it's like it's like emergence like like we talked about several weeks ago, life is an emergent property in other words, all the pixels on my screen right now um are simple little things that have these states in mind and only a limited number of states and so on and um they all have a have an emergence becoming everything on my screen it's, it's kind of like emergence does away with the whole idea of like time and just you know says okay these are the forward movements of of events type of idea
0: so so when we speak of emergence being as something so so how do you characterize emergence in that way because now I, i'm very interested now it's
3: hard so, it's hard so when... but like there's a video by um What's, what's the
0: Kurskajat is it that one? yeah
3: yeah Kurskajat yeah. yeah or whatever their yeah. name is
0: whatever uh, it is it,
3: yeah. everyone should watch it it's called Emergence it's a very very good one it's probably my favorite
0: sure uh, so, so this is something I find very difficult to square with the way that I, with the way I understand what reality is though I do yeah. think it's really interesting that you mentioned that time being time is let's say non-substantive or non-authentic mm-hmm. in that way and that it's, it's part of the unus of the overall equation so this is this is something I wanted to talk about. And why, what I think is really interesting, um, and this kind of comes up to what Brayton said earlier. It doesn't seem to me that uh, there is any contest with if you die, uh, Brayton, if Brayton dies, that all of this will end. Uh, I don't think any of us are solipsists here in that regard. I don't think it's all based on you in that way. Yeah. But it's
2: a sickness. Uh, of the at hair. the same
0: time. It's a sickness of the head, or or it's it's an avenue explored once one gets very anxious. Uh, that's what it is.
2: Oh, to be so narcissistic. Huh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. It's more so. Um, I want to see reality for what it is. I want to see the authentic. I want to break beyond uh, sort of the ideology of my country, the ideology of my homestead, and and the overall narrative that I'm currently living out. That's been brought to me. And just see what is. And when I want to see what is, I'm not sure what actually is and what is just the uh, interaction between ideas that has led up to this point. And that's where things get difficult. Because it it seems like a lot of things, once you move beyond just the science of sense perceptions, uh, we immediately enter into narratives. And once you enter into narratives, it just seems like we're we're playing a game that's being sort of played out in that way. Such as the the really the really hard rock down stuff, such as like time, or or at the same time like the distinction between an island and an ocean, or the distinction between a cell and the chemistry that composes that cell. Or and this is something I want to bring up and just put onto the table. And this is I think is really interesting, and it, I think is a real rift between the way I the way that I have uh look at this the way that steven mentions uh, emergence what is and is not considered something to be alive uh what is what is life at this point when you look at it from this in this regard because it seems to me that life is composed of stuff star stuff in the same way that most other things are uh almost everything is it's star stuff so what is the distinction to be made between uh the 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 chemical bath that takes place between your your ears and what occurs uh, behind you that is to say the things that you would conventionally call not alive Uh, what is what is the fundamental difference now you can say emergence but if we say that then it is very interesting what do we mean by emergence what is that difference and more importantly much more importantly isn't is it substantive or is it just a distinction that you yourself make here and now to better interact with the world. It's just, just the thing that makes it functionally more useful to be Trevor
1: in that way.
3: Yeah. I, yes, I want to hear, hear from Bray. Uh
1: please. Yeah, so I, I think one thing I wanna get out and you know and and bat first with here is especially with all the talk about well what makes an island different than the ocean or what makes anything on the planet Different than just calling it Earth. It's like steven said. A lot of this is just language that we have come up with to, for our own convenience. It's it's very important that we recognize the, the distinction between descriptive language and prescriptive language. Nothing is the way that it is because we call it that way. All of that exists purely for our own communication. Like me calling uh, a bottle a bottle doesn't make it a bottle so to speak uh that is just the collection of atoms the way that we manufactured them just the same way that an uh, you know an island made of soil and sand is just the way that it is in reality we observed something uh and we observed many of them and it was beneficial for us to label them to better understand what we mean in conversation when we talk about islands uh so you know, to me, there is no this idea that you know these things could be gone uh, if we are not here because we describe them a certain way. It doesn't make any sense to me because all they are are descriptions, uh, and and they are there even if we are not here, whether or not we are here to describe them or not. Um, moving away from that, I think. Another, I believe, what was it, the sort of, what was it you left off with, Trevor? Um, Sort of the idea of how do we really get down to reality outside of our own, basically what we've been exposed to, whether it's our nation, our state, our, mm-hmm. you know, childhood, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm really glad you mentioned morality earlier, because I think you painted it sort of as something that could be really ambiguous, given the nature of the discussion. and the way that I frame my morality is completely and entirely based on understanding the physical nature of reality. Um, it is based entirely on the idea that we live in a physical universe with, you know, detectable physical properties and physical laws that, uh, you know, those are what determine the way that things are, uh, And so that's how we find out uh, what is moral and what is not in relation to, you know, my foundation of well-being is that we observe uh, the effects of things in physical reality and how those affect uh, people's well-being. And I feel like that's kind of one of the most removed ways you can look at reality and make determinations about it uh you know aside from something that has to do with what is best for you know Russia or the United States or Venezuela or any country or what is best for uh cisgendered white men or what is best for you know female african american uh bisexuals whatever any you know combination of descriptive labels you want to use uh this is completely based on physical reality and we're measuring these things in relation to you know, what's beneficial or non-beneficial to human beings. Uh, it's it's not as if, you know, or like religious morality, it's not as if there's some book that was written by people that has a list of of things to do and not to do. Uh, that's, that's almost the exact opposite of what you would be looking for as I understand it, uh, because that's a completely informed by human opinions or uh, as they would, say, uh, you know, the supernatural's, uh, revelation. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I'm curious to know what, what your thoughts on that are. Is, uh, so one thing, is that to say
0: that any moral structure is itself contingent upon something else? That is to say, if you want to say anything, it's all contingent upon some sort of proposition that you yourself make. That is to say, yes. uh, as your most quintessential argument that you've uh, made before, uh, you know, you want you want what is best for people, and then from that, your moral structure can then gather and then become something. But it's it's not written anywhere, and it's it's not something uh, anything beyond that one contingency. It has everything has to be contingent on and pivot from a first initial placing in the dirt of a particular flag uh, of saying like this is what we want, and then everything else follows afterwards. Is that to say that me, every moral structure is is that, or at the very least, uh, the one
1: that you're currently proposing? The at, at the least, the one I'm proposing. Every moral framework has to have a foundation, otherwise you have nothing to evaluate from. You know, if you're saying something is moral or immoral, or even let's just make it simpler and say something's good or or bad or good and not good. Well, good for what? Not good for what? Like you can't just ambiguously say, well punching someone in the street is bad well why is it bad is it what's it bad for uh you have to have a a foundation uh so you know you can create a moral framework out of anything you could say you know my moral framework now is whatever's uh in the best interest of my cat and everything i do can be measured as to whether or not it is beneficial or not beneficial for my cat Uh, it, it could be anything uh but you know like i've said before i've expressed my reasons for why i think our human well-being is is the best determinant for our uh or what should be the moral framework for humans at the least uh because it is something that is almost definitely shared by all humans not everybody on the planet is concerned for the well-being of my cat
4: hmm.
3: so oh, that should be <laughs> Trevor's next uh, words are something along the lines of like, um, uh, "Well, let me think. I had it for a moment." Well,
0: actually, actually, my next, words, my next words, my next words would be, "Tanner, I hear you fiddling over there. You
1: fiddle <laughs> around too much. I hear you fiddling all the time." We're gonna, we're gonna duct tape his hands for the next. That's episode. what we're gonna do. He sits there. I don't.
0: His screen's frozen for me. I know. am he's just yeah, sitting there going too. like this.
1: That's the worst part because his screen's frozen, so I can't like see what he's doing. Seriously, you fiddle around too much.
2: I will put down the the bottle cap, magnifying glass. Uh, that's
0: what it is. That's what it is. Uh, well, now if you want... I'm sober this time. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, you can fiddle all you want. Just if you're not gonna, if you don't need to say something right now, if you if you mute yourself, then we won't. Uh, that'll probably be the quickest, easiest solution. Anyway, uh, Steven, fair enough. I but not... I do
2: actually have something to say. Oh, please, please.
4: Do you <laughs> fellows think
2: we are special? No
0: yeah it's not a good question
1: well no i know I, i'm going somewhere son. yeah i figured he had a follow-up i mean yeah no for I me and for the sake of I, I think we all would agree there's nothing particularly yeah
0: well no this is exactly against the point that you just made brayden you had said that everything is contingent upon something else uh that in your moral structure can't you see that that is also true for this particular statement that is to say that you're special in terms of what you're contingent See, upon something.
3: This is, this is what I knew this would, like, I knew that Trevor's like. It's contingent. Like,
0: yeah. I, <laughs> I knew that Trevor
3: was going to say what? something along the lines of, okay, Brayden, so you're just choosing your first cause.
0: You're you know saying, I mean? you, well, yeah, I was going to say that. That is a fact. I was going to say that. But, Brayden, what I I'm trying it. to say is. Eureka. Okay, I was, well, I want to hear that. You this. can't, Brayden, you cannot say no. You physically can't because it's, it's contingent now. You have to say, well, special in terms of what? There's no god telling you that what isn't is not special. There's nothing like that. You're special in terms of something. In
1: terms of something. Well, then in, then, in that, that case I would agree with you that it wasn't a very good question because I need <laughs> I need more specifics on what do you mean by are we special? Because my first instinct was probably something that Stephen was thinking and like, you know, I'm not trying to get ahead of my own hubris here and say something is Rash as the world's gonna end after I die, you know. Certainly, I'm not that's, special that, at all in that that's regard. Just a,
0: well, that's just another wrong, you know. And, and it's and it's we're not talking in that <laughs> regard, oh, we're talking objective. No, like, right, Ray, he was literally waiting for you to do
3: this.
4: <laughs> I mean, like, what right, is I'm serious, it's serious. He's
1: what does for... that even mean? No, well, no, it's
3: just you've presupposed great. a contingency
0: <laughs> that isn't actually true. We no, have to. There... We just
3: need to. We just need to go back. We just need to go back to saying, okay, well, the word special means unique. In other words, we're we're not going to sit here and take all the time to say special is not the word lamp. Special is not the right, word. Okay. Computer, or, you know, and so on and on. Special means outside of the supposed or alleged norm.
1: Okay, so we need to define the norm then.
0: Yes. What is the because norm? You pattern? are, Braden, Braden, you are quite special. I just
1: want to state that. Well, that sure. In other contexts, I would say that I'm special, but that context yes. necessitates a foundation.
0: Yes. Exactly. And so does saying uh, and that and you're hey, not Bray, By the way, an
3: agreed well, upon I... foundation, an agreed upon in other words, well, our sure. language can't but be exclusive also, if we don't agree it, on
1: it. it. It can be disagreed upon. Like if the foundation was, if I was a great airplane mechanic and somebody said I was a, I was unique in the regards to being an airplane mechanic, I would disagree because I have no experience being an airplane mechanic. Mm-hmm. It would be like if somebody says, are we good? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, are we good at what? Are we good <laughs> in regards to yeah. what? You, you can't just you're... say, are we good?
0: oh tanner or just tanner died. left tanner <laughs> died he's <laughs> dead no that's too much that's too much i left him. for five seconds and he's dead all right well here's what i wanted to say here's what i wanted to say about that i think this is really important i already said it uh, everything is contingent upon something else oh, fuck i had something i thought was kind of cool is this and there's a I've cosmological
1: argument it? now like what are... no. <laughs> everything is well, contingent it... on well it can be it
0: depends on what Dubs. you mean by it. what is the context? that's that really is truly no, the issue. okay i'm I'm
1: just trying to get at at what like what mm-hmm. where are we going with this well that's just it uh, so so
0: where i want to go with this is uh where do we draw this the line it was between... gonna
3: cost us 50 years
0: because <laughs> <laughs> i've thought about this for at least 24 i've thought about it for a long time <laughs> not that long i've thought about it for a very long time for a very long time it's it's where do we if everything is contingent upon something else uh is that true for well for, for everything and and if you really follow down what we mean by everything we we can't speak in such terms as i just got a text from he has been disconnected he says tanner uh i guess he's if he has issues we'll we'll return to that uh, and and try to fix his issues but that's, that is to say that, if you realize this and really comes to terms with the with the with the fact that beyond you in that sort of sense of everything being contingent upon you don 't really have a reason to do anything unless you yourself first presuppose that you want to do it. it it's a decision that you make and it wells up deeply from within there's there's no longer questions of what a state deems for you or what is ideologically good at this moment in those sort of uh, hammy ways that we already. I can only I can only guess already dislike, but it's also untrue for for things that people outside of you tell you to do, or for what uh, your, your preordained uh, uh, godhead tells you to do, or any sort of book, and I mean both a religious book as well as an ideological one. We mentioned H- Christopher Hitchens almost every single episode at this point. Uh, not even we sure do. Yes, we sure do. And and thank uh, welcome back. Uh, so and even then, thank you. And even then, and even then, like those ideas are just other propositions brought up by somebody. And at the end of the day, what does it come down to? It just comes down to what you feel like doing. It's just what's most fun. It's just catharsis. It's just whatever's most fun to do right now. And that's Inclusive just a well, rant. Well, it kind of <laughs> becomes one. And it also becomes, okay, like, well, here's so, what's scary. So, well, let me finish this one thought. It's also true. It's also true a I, I, as a sort of Nazi rant. Because it it just becomes that horrifying. You just oh. do what's fun. Isn't that terrifying oh. to you? Fellas, you heard it no, never. No, no. I love I'm how serious. you're trying to
1: cut him off to get him in there, and he's like, wait, just let me finish this, and the next <laughs> word out of his mouth was Nazis. Isn't that people. scary, though? It's people. very okay. scary. I mean, okay, let's come back to that. I want to hear you. Go ahead, Steve. Okay,
3: so, so, so my cat brae's mm-hmm. cat neither of these animals are as we would call conscious okay they they have a set of 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 purposeful behaviors all right so <laughs> where do we draw the line between the biochemical processes of their tissues all the way up to their purposeful behaviors in other words, they're not really choosing a whole lot of going on. So, I mean, they have no power to affect any amount of change in this house. It, they can't know that, uh, our cats can't know that they're completely subservient and ruled by super beings that can destroy all life on the planet. They can't know that. They're just executing yeah. purposeful behaviors given mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. by the genome. So, um, well, and so, mm-hmm. so do ants. Whenever they coalesce into their colonies, uh, all of our cells coalesce in our shapes.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean,
2: but none of your cells know that you're you. you.
3: Well, yeah, exactly. So here's well, that's a really all of that. All me. of that is not just okay. In other words, it's not it's not my job as a human being to to deign pat the universe on the head and say, "Oh, that's okay. Emergence is like a cool little quality." Thanks. No. It's not. It's not a cool little quality. It's. It's like needed. It's necessary to make things go. To. To. to Make us go. To make everything go. Well. well, These ideas that we have, we have exclusive mm -hmm. language for them.
0: Mm -hmm. So what? So here's this is a real issue. When you say that a cat isn't conscious like you are, well, what do you mean by conscious? What do you mean by consciousness in this way? That's that's exactly what I'm saying.
3: The exclusive term. The exclusive yes. term of being conscious. In other words, look, look, it's actually kind of wonderful. Let's back up a step, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, a student of mine was asking about this very thing uh, this past week. He goes, Mister Kyle, I need to know something from you. Are we, are we all that different from our parents culturally? I said, Hmm. How can I answer this question without influencing their thoughts, you know, like, in other words, how can I, how can I address this question in, in a very equitable way as a teacher? And I said, well, is... what? you need to go and look up, uh, like, the ideas behind evolution, okay? No, and that just is on a grander time scale, but, you know, we can look at it that way. We are not a different species from our parents. And the cool thing is is that no child is a different species from their parents. No child ever is a different species from their parents. But somehow speciation occurs across evolution. Mm -hmm. The species name, the speciation event or whatever that led to that species becoming, we just give it that exclusive name because it's like, oh, now it appears that they have moved beyond this species that they once had common ancestry with and so on. It's just a term. It's just mm-hmm. like a little window of time that we've deigned to say, okay, that's the thing that we're talking about. Or this little window of, of this event is like, okay, that's what we're talking about, this species. And I said, okay, take that evolution term terminology and apply it to this. We've got boomers, millennials, and like Gen Z or whatever. And, like, we're not actually all that different from our parents, but we're probably really different from our grandparents because culture moves a lot faster than evolution. That's the only difference here. We're very different from our grandparents, but not all that different from our millennial people. But the point is that we've got all these terms that have arbitrary cutoff dates, completely arbitrary. But it's just kind of neat little things that we agree mean that, that thing. That's all it is.
0: Okay. Well, when I hear that, when I hear about like uh, what the state of uh, these species are, what speciation is, that really, to me, says that it's all just something that you're doing in terms of the efficiency of approaching uh, evolution to make sense of things. Uh, This differentiation between what is this species and that species—it's all based upon uh, presuppositions that you bring to the table. So when you say that, to me, that that completely like pulls the carpet underneath the idea that there is some sort of distinction to be made between your cat and yourself in terms of what it is and what is not conscious. Because you need—you do truly need—if we're going to have a substantive conversation about it, (laughs) go ahead,
3: go ahead. I'm sorry, Trevor. I'm messing with you more than anything. You know that. But but look look you're mm-hmm. you're absolutely right that um you know we both me and my cat both carry the genome right mm-hmm. our genome would be ninety nine percent the same pretty much mm-hmm. and that's okay I mean you know uh it's mm-hmm. not it's it would be foolish for anyone to say that there's no difference between me and my cat
0: certainly, and there's differences between yourself and myself uh, there are. There are differences and there are but, there are but less differences, differences
3: between... by the way, than me and my cat.
0: Well, most certainly, most certainly. But uh, what I speak of now is uh, if you want to layer out and so like these are the distinctions between you and I or the two of us and the cat or you, me, the cat and against like this collection of uh, viral uh, information that just codes and recodes and codes. These are just things that you and I are presently doing. And it's, it's in terms of efficiency and it's expediency in conversation. To say that there is a, a a difference in consciousness between yourself and your cat in that sort of way, but what I am saying is uh, the expediency you use to create that distinction between those two things, between yourself and the cat, while it is expedient, I say it's of very little value because uh, the distinction between yourself and your I, cat I in disagree. that sort of sense is, I, I is quite. Uh, please.
3: So 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 look look, um, this is like me. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. A student looks at me and says, Mr. Kyle, this chemistry stuff is really, really hard.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So one of, the, one of the biggest things that I can't ever seem to get students to understand and probably won't ever get them to understand because they, they need to hear it now so that they'll maybe understand it later. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have all this stuff to learn in chemistry and physics and science in general um, to inform us about the way things are. And um, what I'm trying to say is it's actually meant to be easy. I think we can all agree with that. In other words, Mm -hmm. why why would we make the situation more complicated than the subject itself? So like for chemical names, they're all systematic. You just name them according to a pattern, a system that we literally made up. We just made it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just what we call that thing. But look... You're saying that whenever we do this, we we lose something to the point to where it might be useless. I disagree. Let me be clear. Um, We give families of things names. In other words, let's just presuppose that there was only one island on the entire Earth. Just one we probably wouldn't have a name for islands. Mm -hmm. In other words, it would have no family of being. It would just Mm -hmm. be that that little geographical, little strange little thing over there. It's the only island on the whole planet, remember? Mm -hmm. We would just refer to it as that strange landmass over there. We wouldn't have a name for it. Similarly, in chemistry, if we we were, I mean, incredibly different as as like a species or, or biomechanically, we wouldn't call them carbohydrates. In other words, like there'd be no family of carbohydrates. We'd only know about one or two and we just know them by their systematic name. In other words, they would have, you know, it wouldn't be that much use of a terminology. And this I is why be... languages change people. In other mm-hmm. words, they're, they're specifically not static. They're, they're dynamic and it's necessary for them to change.
0: Absolutely. I, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, fu- very fundamentally. This is something that I really uh, feel these things that you've said up to this point. But so, let, me, let me be so, clear. So, let me
3: encapsulate the point in you know, just go ahead. a few words. Mm-hmm. The value, the specific value in what I'm talking about is the ability to identify families of things.
0: Yes. Yes. So, so when I hear this though, is uh, a lot of these things, uh, whether they be brought into systems and categorized in this sort of way, is to derive uh, value and expediency. So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, if we don't have a very clear definition, uh, if it is in itself quite uh, wet in that sort of way, what do we mean by consciousness, uh, to where we, I can't clearly define what is the distinction between uh, you and I and this cat? In that sort of way, like what it means to be a cat in terms of consciousness. If I can't give a very clear definition to the difference between that cat and the two of us, it's not a very good distinction. It it can't be loosey-goosey. Otherwise, it's just something that you're currently doing that we can't play with very well. Uh, Because really all of this is, in this way, a, a game that we're playing. We're currently playing out this game before us, you and I, and sort of interacting with it in such and such a way. Now, I can encapsulate the Ireland and the ocean as being one singular force or thing, but it wouldn't be as nearly as much value to as many poss- potentials that I can, at least currently right now, that Trevor can think of as thinking as, of them as a distinction between the Ireland and the ocean. It's not as, as much value as the, of the opposing possibility. Now, I'm not providing a very good opposing possibility yet. But it seems to me that creating a distinction between the cats and the humans, if we don't give a very clear distinction between what makes them different, it's not of very good value. We need to be very precise with what we mean by consciousness, and we can't um, we can't just say something like but, uh, at least at the start say but, something like emergence.
3: But that's my question. Why, why do we why we we can't get down to the particular that you're talking about? It's not possible. Mm. I, and, and so I tell my students this all the time. You know. They ask me, okay, so what is the definitive thing that this electron is doing? And I say, I, mm-hmm. that answer literally doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's not that I can't tell you that answer. It's not that. It's not that I can't bullshit my way through this. It, the answer isn't there to be had. Mm-hmm. In other words, this is what I'm talking about when I say the the philosophical disciplines. Have to start being informed by the science. I, you know, I sometimes I have conversations with my friends, and sometimes I forget that um, even among them, they, you know, they are very capable of forgetting that uh, the universe is actually like if you if you look into it, the universe is kind of capable of doing contradictory things. Not on the macro scale. Yeah, go ahead, Tanner.
2: I'd say, well, it has no obligation to make sense to us in any capacity to begin with. Yeah,
3: huh? and it and it harkens back to that whole thing about like, you know, why are we surprised whenever we find the way something works? Well, why do why do we have surprise when that happens? It's because it doesn't fit within our middle-sized object, middle-speed object, uh, middle color range object type of world. That's why. And so, no, these definitions are never going to be, um. Sufficient. Are never going to be no, I, no. They're completely sufficient. That's what I'm trying to say. No, they're completely I, sufficient convergent. for
0: the for something. <laughs> the it's contingent upon something. No, 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 no. They are perfectly they con-
3: sufficient. They converge upon yes. meaning. Yes. In other words, you know, the differences between Stephen and Trevor are completely useful. Yes. They converge upon meaning. Mm. Now, you're never not going to have them. Uh, you're never gonna have it to where they're not loosey goosey.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Like you know, my students ask me about this, and it's like once again, the the answer is not there to be had. Um, mm-hmm. You zoom in far enough, things become very indeterminate. If you zoom out, zoom out far enough, things become completely determinate. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So. So when I say all this, uh, when I say all this, this all comes right back to this one thing that I've uh, brought up before. So what what exactly is the difference between a cat and a person? Uh, the, that's really all of this what I what I what I brought up a couple of times. Uh, the reason why I brought it up so many times is I I'm not quite sure what the answer is. It, we I want to analyze this. That is to say break it apart into its smaller subsections so that it can actually um, sufficiently understand what we it, mean by but it, saying but that, but it's there's
3: literally a Diogenes with you know the featherless <laughs> biped. I mean, like, it's, I mean, it literally is that. Well,
0: well, if you can, what,
2: what you're yes, please. What you're trying to do is, I'm not sure how to expressly say what I mean to say, so I'm going to make something up. Mm. Like, you're trying to like epistemolo- epistemologically integrate the differences between a cat and a human being true. Mm-hmm. there are infinitely many differences i would argue between myself and a cat it's it's impossible to characterize every difference yes yeah yeah
0: well that's well that like steven said just earlier that is true of all things that is to say yeah. that yeah or at least it's, most it's just
3: It's just happens to be more useful to yes. say i am Stephen." Rather than mm-hmm. to say, I am not Bray, not Trevor, not Tanner, not
4: blah, well, blah, blah.
0: Well, it's for that exact reason. Uh, it's for the exact, that exact reason that I say to say that there is a difference between these two things at all is, is a fundamental issue. You can't say anything about it if you can't characterize it in any sort of way that is sufficient. Uh, we're, we're really drawing boundaries, and then you say, well, you can't draw good boundaries. Well, then but certain, characterizing then we can't it is draw boundaries. descriptive.
1: Like it is solely descriptive to characterize something like, you know, even if we were all gone and could not describe anything and could not, we could not be the, you know, say assuming we're the only beings in the universe capable of drawing a distinction, even if we could not draw that distinction and there was nothing to say, you know, Stephen is different from a cat. All of that still is the way that it is. Naturally, in reality, sure. Like we are, we are nothing but observers that label. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, in, a, in other words, without. I don't, I don't
3: fit into the family of
2: of cats.
3: Well, without
0: well,
2: without those well, those labels, mm-hmm. I mean, everything is the same. But there are no differences. Well, everything is
4: hmm.
1: so not was, necessarily because you can observe things to be different that is how we label things is that we observe them well he's specifically talking of
0: when there isn't a you there when there isn't a unis that's currently making that distinction between what is and what isn't Uh, in the same way that you can't say that everything is all things because all things is in is in distinction to the the breaking apart of things the analysis of things you can't even say that
2: since i to to do a really deep cut If we're familiar with uh, Parmenides, if we're (laughs) the the old Greek fellow who didn't believe in nothing, Mm -hmm. everything is things. Even in the space where we see nothing, there's still something there, fundamentally. I mean, physics tells us that. There's, at the very least, a, a finite amount of energy tied to that specific area in space regardless. So without our labeling of everything, everything is one thing. There is no differences it is all one substance interacting with itself it is just one very large um um fabric of uh of, of energy basically spiking and then dropping and then spiking and then dropping it's just the potential to either do or not do and it's a yes or a no
0: mm-hmm. to me there can't be a yes if there isn't some sort of presupposed possibility of there being a no and vice versa or order or disorder that is to say that if you weren't in the room making these distinctions what is is just what is that that's not that's not even to say that what is compared to what isn't or what is compared to what is about to be nothing that makes these sorts of abstractions are present in the room it's just present suchness and not even present yeah. suchness in distinction to what could be next because there is no sort of thing that no oper- operandi to sort of create this difference between those two possibilities they're quite literally
1: are you saying there's there's nothing to experience the time mm-hmm. to draw a distinction between what is now and what could okay, be next? Well, well, well this might be a way to look at consciousness. He, he, no,
3: no, people, no. Look,
1: <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. So,
3: so, so when I die, right, uh-huh. or when I sleep and I'm not making specific conscious observations, mm-hmm. are you telling me that no sensor on Earth could detect? Uh, Absolutely
0: not absolutely the,
3: the, not the gravity that i that my body
0: gives off absolutely not not at all not at all i'm just saying that i don't believe you
3: i, I, just, I, just, <laughs> I mean that's the thing i just don't believe you. you're telling me right now that you're telling me right now that
0: no no what i'm Gray saying is and Tanner, you are should I be? you are correct you are correct in your assertion that's what i'm saying yeah. when i said absolutely not i'm saying that that is not true these things do carry on when you're dead that's absolutely yeah. true i'm not we're not at least at least I'm not trying to give you an argument for solipsism. I I wouldn't believe that in the slightest, yeah, at all,
1: no. So that's what so I'm trying to okay. I think we're at a good point now to try to we. I think we all understand exactly what the topic at hand. So I'm trying to find yes. how can we go back to the very beginning and find like some I, of the initial questions.
0: Sure, I, I, I just I wanna want to know what the difference between. Is. I just want to know what the difference between a cat and myself is in that way. Like when you say, what is okay, there is a difference? So look, uh, what is look, the let difference?
3: Me, let me illustrate something right quick. All right. Please. Please. So so look.
0: I've got a nice.
4: <laughs> Drew a little
3: cat yeah. there. Cat okay. and a guy. Can we see what I'm talking about here? No.
0: Uh, it's a little bright. Okay. I, see a, oh, I see your okay. overhead door. I yeah. see a bell curve. I see yeah, an event. It's just potential. a curve.
3: It's just a curve. Yeah. Okay. So, like, what do I mean by converges on meaning? Well, like, this, at some fundamental place, okay, could represent, mm-hmm. like, the appearance of a charge or something uh-huh. like that. If I turn it upside down, maybe maybe that's the appearance of, of gravity in, in space-time okay like like you know displaced by mass in other words these these parts of space are being disrupted in this specific way by charge by gravity by other really fundamental like things okay
4: mm-hmm.
3: now imagine if that principle behind the universe goes all the way up in other words it doesn't just have to be these really grand and fundamental things what if it goes all the way up what if what if we asked a thousand people right to like define what a cat is, and then we asked another thousand people to define what you know a human is. maybe someone's definition of human falls way out way out here, maybe they're a psychopath uh mm-hmm. maybe someone's definition of a cat falls right here because they don't know any biology you know you know what I mean, but there'd be some there'd be some central tendency towards what a cat is
4: mm-hmm. and
3: what a human is. Mm-hmm. and these very clear sort of like not disturbed you know places that suggest okay this is where this is where the knots are they're not mm-hmm. this and not these if that makes sense sure we so... we converge on meaning mm-hmm. it happens in in other words you know we we have a big hand in creating it because we're here but we didn't create it all it, mm-hmm. you know there is a there is kind of like a a diminishing return on how meta you, you're willing to get with this.
0: So, so my issue with that is, that's just another narrative. This is just something that a group of people do. It doesn't make it any more or less true, now that it's not just yeah, me, no, but I'm it's not, ten people. I'm
3: not advocating the logical fallacy where it's like, okay, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. saying it, so it must be true. Of course not. Of course not. Mm. What I'm saying is like we just agree on these convergent, emergent meanings.
0: Yes, yeah, so so what I'm saying is that those things we can't necessarily we can't by their very existence call them authentic or sub- or substantial. Uh, it really does to me, the way I'm seeing this is it is it really does become a fallacy because if I want to touch what is, now this comes back to what's contingent here, um, I think what's happening right now is uh, Stephen, um, you and I are talking about things, and what we're talking about is contingent upon something else, meaning that we're getting at something differently. Uh, we're getting at something different i'm trying to get at uh, what i can say to be authentic and true uh, regardless of any circumstance like that is to say if you're not in the room this is true this is what is and i want to characterize uh if i look at it from that lens i can't quite say there is such a thing as a distinction between a cat and a person or even really i can't say anything Uh, what am i trying to say that's a oh, okay. good question.
1: I, I mean, okay. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I guess maybe what you're trying to say is you're trying to get at what is what is reality like aside from the way that everybody experiences it. Because we can't talk about any any other experience other than our own, and we can posit some sort of you know gooey like collective human the the human condition or human understanding but even that is incredibly murky because it assumes a lot of things that are shared amongst all humans like even my morality is a pre, it is a presupposition you know and that presupposition mm-hmm. is that every human being on the planet cares about their own well-being or human well-being mm-hmm. um which draws from the biologic or uh, you know evolutionary standpoint so the what's only the old
2: saying? what I was going to say uh what's the old saying there's nothing new under the sun
1: Oh that's a good one <laughs> So I mean like
2: we can that's not, that's not just old it's Each... dirt
1: <laughs> Each of us can only speak Older soil. To... Each Older of us can only speak hills. to our individual experience and then try to you know I don't know if extrapolates the word but extrapolate yeah, no, no, that no. to You're exactly
3: right extrapolate that to what what
0: else is going on
1: Right. So that's to, to say to, yes. Like I I think that for the most part you and I would experience watching television in generally the same way because we're both human beings and you would, we like we were just talking about Blade Runner earlier. I for the most part imagine that we would experience watching Blade Runner in pretty much the same way. We've talked about a lot of the same things. Uh we would get a lot of the same feelings out of watching certain scenes. Because uh, you know those scenes were crafted in a specific way to elicit specific feelings out of human beings, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but to speak about what reality, true reality, not filtered through human senses and experience, would be like without those senses, I think is is nonsensical and 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 just not. You know, there may there we know there are other colors uh to try to wrap in something sensory here that we cannot there are other wavelengths and things that we cannot experience but we know other life on the planet sees differently than we do uh and we may never be able to see that way and maybe our sight is more in line with the actual objective reality or maybe those creatures is or maybe that doesn't matter at all so i you know i i just try to wonder like i maybe i'm just not concerned as much with what is actual truly objective reality i'm just concerned with objective reality as it pertains to human beings because those are the beings that i interact with and you know share space with on the planet and resources if aliens showed up one day and these alien life forms experienced reality very differently than us we would then have to come to terms and come to understand how those beings experienced reality. If for some reason, you know, it became necessary that we had to share the planet, but in that case, we'd be sharing a galaxy or a universe uh, or something with them. So perhaps it would be more important uh, in that aspect. So, you know, maybe it's just that I don't really understand the point of trying to comprehend objective objective reality and i'm just concerned with well so so let me
3: let me jump in there then right i'll tell you exactly the 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 reason why you should be worried about it you've actually already elucidated the the subject but to put it into so many words the reason why we're worried about things converging on meaning is predictive power in other words we if we assign these meanings if we assign these patterns if we you know, observe these patterns and give them assignment and meaning or whatever. Blah blah blah. We have like that kind of predictive power to uh, to talk about it and so on. Does that make any sense, Brain? Yeah. In other words, that that's that's the science is the human enterprise. We're we're trying to gain predictive power about the natural world. Right. And I'm not saying
1: that any, you know, us putting if we, you know, have the ability and I know we have the ability. It's how we've made a lot of discoveries to shoot satellites into space and exactly utilize different technologies that can measure things that we cannot as human beings naturally through our biological process. In other
3: words, if God truly smote us with the (laughs) with the Tower of Babel and no one could ever agree on what gravity was because of language barriers and infinitely like regressing language barrier, like we keep trying to bring up, then we wouldn't be able to shoot satellites into space or anything right. like that. Sure. Uh, so, so on and on.
0: Yeah. So it sounds to me like we're talking about um, like, uh, the collinearity that is to say, the the fact that these two things that I want to specify right now uh, move along with each other. These two things being um, seeing reality for what it is and the complexity uh, that you're now capable of as a society. The more you're able to go in the div- into the divots, that is to say, you no longer look at reality as these four rocks that you could hit together really hard to make a sharp rock. <coughs> Instead, it's atoms. You know, and, and suddenly you're capable of a much more complex society that's capable of doing many, many, many a more things. A broader
3: system of things. A
0: broader system of things with less residual air. And you're, and you're able to account for so much more. And that's what makes you capable of doing all of these things. It's, it's the ability for your society to become sufficiently complex enough in order to uh, do them and to go off and do these things. So it sounds to me like we're now talking about like uh, the ability for that uh, for us to become sufficiently complex to do incredible things. But I want to also say something else uh, specifically to Brayden, like your point of uh, well, why does it matter? If, if I'm talking about humans, I'm talking about what, what what matters to me. I don't care about what happens with other humans. Well, here's what something that's really important. What is the space between us, you and me, Brayden, What is this? What what are you? What's your relationship to me? You know. What are you fundamentally? And where are the lines drawn between what makes Bray fundamentally distinct from Trevor? And how do you interact with that? And that's speaking of fundamental reality. It is. If you want to understand humans, you have to understand what it's like to not be you. And, and also know what it, what it means to be. Ch- One thing I've been doing recently, uh, let me go find it. I got it as a suggestion. Oh, I found it. Hell yeah. There we go. I got it as a suggestion from Jake, a good friend of the whole podcast. I'm currently reading uh, the Quran right now for our uh, audio viewers. This is a different perspective of reality, fundamentally. You should read this book. I highly advise it. It's like specifically the study Quran version full of commentary because I don't understand any of it without it, to be completely honest. so. Uh, there's something to be said about an entire structure of approaching reality that, that in swaths, uh, uh, 27-something percent of the entire human population, uh, there is something to be said about fully encapsulating yourself in that other way of approaching reality. Because, in a sense, that's another form of humanness. If you want to understand your own you uh, there's nothing more important that you can do than to see something through someone else's lens. As well as... Maybe I can find this one too. I can. Here it is as well as uh, your own. And for anyone who's interested, I-, I just held up a book of The Passion of the Western Mind. That is to say, this book here is is also useful, specifically to understand Bray. There is something about you in this. Uh, there is. And just as strangely, if you really want to understand yourself, and also what it means to be human, there's also something inside this, that you can understand what you aren't, as well as still are, even given the strangity which is written inside of this codex, within this book, that being the Quran that I'm currently holding up now. Uh, I want to understand what things are, and if I want to understand what things are, I have to understand them when I'm not in the room. And I also have to understand them when when Bray enters the room, and also somebody who is a a fundamental uh, Wahhabi uh, Muslim. And what's really fun about that is, if you're a Wahhabi Muslim, uh, you don't believe in such a term as Wahhabi Muslim. You're just a Muslim because you don't look at reality according to those means. And all of a sudden, I've, I've shown you a particular perspective that is itself completely distinct and, and separated from the way that you project reality. It's, way, it's a way of looking at reality where you no longer see the island in the ocean. Uh, not, not in the same way. Uh, that's not a very good analogy, but I could think of a few more, such as uh, looking at things in terms of the words of uh, Jibril or Gabriel or whatever else. Uh, the approaching reality changes, and I think that's really, really important and really interesting and I think that is it's difficult because i can't tell you that that is fundamentally what you ought to be doing because it 's all just contingent again, but I can 't tell you one thing:
1: it is really fun <laughs> <laughs> Well, see when you say all that, I just think about you know the way that I fundamentally approach reality is just by observing the physical nature of the universe and what 's going on physically because that's all I can do. You in, know, other the difference words, is...
3: in other words, Brad, let me, you know, give you a little confirmation here. The material the material universe is all that there is.
1: Exactly. And so all that there is between Trevor and I is physical difference. Mm-hmm. Uh that's all that we can even express to be different. Um, you know, if I met Trevor for the first time and we had a conversation, everything I learn about Trevor and what it is to be Trevor is his physical interactions with me, whether he's talking to me or I observe what he's wearing or mm-hmm. his hairstyle or the, his body language, uh, you know, body language and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all physical. You're yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you. If you have a, no, if... yeah, I mean that's that's oh. that's kind of the only yeah. thing that I've got. I mean, all this extra stuff mm-hmm. is like dressing. You know, when we talk about. Sure. You know, particular religions or languages or or ideologies, ways of viewing the world. Sure. Um, so now, yeah,
0: that's what I want to talk about because I really fear sep- uh, mixing our peas with our porridge. Let's say in this sort of way, you're absolutely correct in that. I can you know I, I, porridge I'll explain. <laughs> you're you're absolutely correct. I think I believe Bray in what you're saying that it is all material. You and I are completely in agreement about that, but not the knowledge of viewing it in such a way the knowledge of, of viewing reality according to such an idea that is to say material is not necessarily that way people view reality according to very different means both in terms of viewing it non terms of material such as people who view things in terms of spirits or ghosts or or jinn or demons or any of these things you know? yeah but those or thoughts also are subsets useless. I knew, used to. No, like, <laughs> but that's what's difficult, uh, Stephen. This is what's really challenging. I I, I completely not, can sympathize it's not with that opinion. let me explain. It's it's not. It's it, it, but just... it is. Sorry. I have to explain this. <laughs> I'm it, sorry, is. Trevor. I would... it it is all right, it is really funny. But here's why it's really important though. It's It's not useful in terms of a comparison to the idea that you're looking at in terms of material and in terms of answering a particular question. But if you're asking different questions, they come up to different. They come up to different. Yeah, yeah. If if I was asking the particular question,
3: how do we how do we murder a lot of people, get them to believe solipsistic (laughs) nonsense? Yes, 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 you Uh, you are, yes, you are. But then you realize something. That would be the the affirmative to that
0: question. you are correct. You're you're absolutely correct. But here's. But yes, yes. So here's what's really difficult. Uh, Brayton, I want to bring this to you. Uh, think about it like this uh, Your, your flagpost uh, that you base upon for your entire moral hierarchy or structure is itself something that you place in the ground to make everything else contingent. And just like that, it's all contingent. Same thing with, the, with Islam or, ah, or with the ah, Tibetan Buddhism ah. or anything like that. It's just something you're yes, doing because yes, it's fun yes. and cathartic. You're doing something in terms of the creation. Well, of it's not because it's fun and
1: cathartic. It is because it is grounded in physicalism, as opposed to just as Stephen was saying you want these sort of religious ideals. Yes, you want you that. Say, though. That's what I'm saying. Well, I want it because it's in le- nature. In the it's in line with the nature of reality. Yep. Whereas but you, you know, yourself we... <laughs> want to be within the nature of
0: reality. I you do. Are yes, but you it's
4: subjective. a reality
0: that's it's not subjective, there. though, Bray. It's subjective. <laughs> you, you can do reality are. however you want to do it. I can visualize it according to different means. But this is really important. It is because okay, some people so, live it according to a completely different catharsis. I completely so, agree with um, you, but you have to see that there are different ways of visualizing and getting your cathartic release, whether that be saying things through her. physical means or not so. And that's what but, I think is really interesting. But once again,
3: this. but once again, look, that, that leads me directly to say, well, Trevor, mm-hmm. um, if you believe what you're saying, mm-hmm. then I just declare that you're wrong. And then, <laughs> and then we move on. You see what I mean? In, in, a, in other words, like if it's completely based on me, in other words, if you're mm-hmm. acknowledging that, you know, it's completely based on me, then I can just make up that we have an objective physical reality. And, uh, Move
0: on. Well, the rest per, of the same people. Perhaps. <laughs> well, perhaps. <laughs> well, you could do that if you wanted. You just wouldn't be right.
1: <laughs> but it would, it would be late. fun, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it it other be. words
0: it, it's fun. Here's, here's what I'm saying about
1: that.
3: Here's, to here's to, to I, at least pretend yes. as though I live in a physical reality with yes. actual real boundaries and convergent meaning.
0: Yes, certainly. So, so here's what I'll say about <laughs> that. If you if you set the rules of the game, the, the, the things ah. So. If you set the rules of the game, if you lay them out before you, uh, the rules themselves create a position where such a uh, phenomenon can occur that is in itself objective. That is to say that if I set up the rules of the game, I view it in terms of chemistry, a chemical reaction takes place that is itself objective based upon the questions that I bring to the table. If you and I are bringing the same question to the table of viewing reality, then I think you'll find that you can't just say that you are right. You can't say that. This is about what you bring to the table when you ask these sorts of questions. If, if I bring in the question like, is this ball made up of physical parts? Well, if I bring out the physical contents, uh, or the, not the physical contents, sorry, the the context of that question, and I lay out before you all of the ideas that come up to it, the, such as like in a chess game, I said that the rook does this and the bishop does that. It's objective to say that there is in fact a move that ought to be done. Or or a thing that will will emote from the action. That's what physical reality is. But the rules that come to the game that you can visualize it according to that one particular narrative are not. We made something that you yourself doing. So that's why I bring up this whole point of why these ideas are interesting brain you just want to see reality according to this physicalist uh, mindset because you want to see it according to that mindset it's a no, very no, different no, form no. of remote- no 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 yeah. no 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 yeah. Please, yeah. go like, ahead refute me
1: please please no 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 no
4: if you
3: well, look look let me let me let me say something real quick just okay. it'll it'll won't take me any time at all please. so like <laughs> if 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 i have a way of viewing things
4: mm-hmm
3: that specifically involves asking the question what does this look like if i'm not here mm-hmm. in other words uh, i mean i can i can make i can make a you know solution in the lab um it doesn't it doesn't change it doesn't yes. change when i leave the room yes you know it doesn't uh, so i mean in other words if someone comes over and says okay well you made a bunch of you know Insert alien language here. I mean,
4: mm-hmm.
3: we just wouldn't we wouldn't be able to agree on what was in the bottle because we don't speak this common interactive language.
0: That is to but say, it's
3: still the same stuff in the bottle.
0: I, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. The so what rules I'm that to you say, bring to the what table, I'm trying to say? Please, is, please, if
3: if if I have a way of of viewing the world that takes my biases more hmm. and more out of the equation then that's a more useful way of moving through life moving through the world and that's what we as, humans, we as humans have chosen to do. Religious or not we have all relied on the benefits of, uh, of science. We have the beneficiaries of our human enterprise
0: in that's this way. In true. other words, when you the say... less
3: and less we let solipsism get in our way, mm-hmm. the more and more successful we end up. In other words it's, it's... there has to be value and doing this Mm -hmm. exclusive stuff that i'm talking about
0: so so when i say so when i say useful here's the thing that's really (laughs) difficult that i keep saying it's contingent it depends on something and you and 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 that's what's
1: really difficult about this when we say useful what useful in what context what is useful no like what did stephen say that made you say that what did you say was useful stephen
3: i said that i mean i said that Doing this exclusive language stuff that we do is useful. Doing this, you know, like here's this distinction from this distinction. Okay, then
1: yeah. It's useful for any number of different things. We could sure. we could point that in any direction. We could say that it is morally yeah. useful in the way that I describe morality and, because and it most expedites. Thing,
3: the most useful thing is to try and remove my humanness out of the equation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just get down to the physical reality.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Right, and it's almost and it's funny now that you say that it is very similar to the way that I would define morality, because it is looking at physical reality and saying this is something that everyone experiences, this physical reality, and we say, you know, if we all, if everybody is shown a video of me punching somebody, uh, you know, downtown, everybody is experiencing that physical reality the same way, and everybody can come to the conclusion that I was wrong to punch somebody in the face you know, downtown because we're all experiencing the same thing. And so we label that in relation to the foundation. I'm going to paraphrase here, Mm. uh, Matt Delaunay, maybe this can get some more clarity out here, but, uh, you know, Mm. he said in the past along the lines of, I want to believe as many true things and as few false things as possible. And that's, that's in relation to an objective reality. I mean, I think we all want to know, just like Trevor is pointing out millions of times this conversation, he wants to know what's really real, what's really going on out there, independent of us being here. Well, that sounds really difficult, but I can. we can look at things through our own senses. That's the only thing we can do. Uh Save for you know these sort of technological contraptions or things, but even that we are getting information through our senses you know if even if we had a contraption that could detect a new colour, it would never be able to show it to us in a way that we would experience a new colour uh, perhaps, but back to my paraphrasing, you know he wants to believe as many true things and as few false things as possible. And so far, the best method that we have for observing the physical universe and coming to a conclusion about what is really true and what is not is our scientific method, mm-hmm. the greatest development or at least method of observations put forth by the human race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we use that to determine uh, what is true or at least what is most true at a time Um you know the best explanation for things at a given time and this is how we navigate our reality is using this method uh and so when i say right when i say that i don't want to look at things through a physicalist lens sure you can kind of you know meander me into that avenue and say well yeah i want to because i want to see it that way because it is the again, paraphrasing here, single most consistently reliable method for determining what is actually true about reality. It has that
3: predictive power. It
1: does. And so when you tell me, you know, well, there's these other worldviews and people who see things not necessarily in a materialistic way, and that's their way of experiencing reality, Mm -hmm. I say, well, they're wrong. They're misinformed because they are, you know, not using the best tools that are available, available to us to
0: to do what though best tools to determine to what? what is actually true about reality. What if that's not the goal though? You've set a goal, and so you know, what else? That's,
3: that's the thing though. Specifically, specifically, these people with other modalities of thought do not have that goal. That's right. the problem. Well, that?
1: on
4: straight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they have a goal that's completely contained within whatever holy book that they're privy to. Uh, you know, some people are waiting for the world to end, others are trying to achieve nirvana. Uh everybody else that doesn't believe in any of that, I don't know, I'm trying to get a paycheck, eat some nice food and have a great time before I kick the bucket. I mean it's, I you know it's
3: kind of like it's kinda of like what Richard Dawkins said in that like brief thing. He goes, Science is interesting and if you don't think so you can fuck off. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, and, 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 and like, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board that like, that's what we need to lean into. Uh, you know, that's the problem is the people who, the people out here who have these other modes of thought, um, it's not consistent.
1: I mean, are we looking Trevor for some sort of like overarching goal for humanity? Like, or is, I'm, you know, what I'm saying to compare? Is...
0: What I'm saying is that you presently are, uh, Bray. Uh, that's what you're presently doing. You're you're saying reality according to a particular... Um, ideology is such a gross word. You know, you hear that word, you're like, oh, that's Yeah, gross. science
3: specifically is not
2: an ideology.
0: What, what I'm saying, when I say... Science
2: ide- has no rhetoric.
0: Well, when I speak of, when I say science, or not science, sorry, but when I speak of ideology, I just mean a particular uh, geist or thrust of a particular perspective that has all of these tendrils of ideas that come along with it. And it's just the way that all of reality is visualized according to those means. So when I say that uh, term ideology, what I mean is you have this one point, this point put in the ground, such as like what Dillahunty said, of, I want to believe in as many true things and not believe as many false things as possible. And you put this into the ground. And it's according to these means be it uh, your rationality you specifically pray your rationality as well or as my your... or
1: my morality because i I, well, I just want to plug in for your sake there, as saying that it is mm-hmm. more beneficial demonstrably for me to believe more true things than false things it is better for my well-being and other people's well-being if i do so well it depends that as well
0: it depends on what exactly is what do you mean by morality because if it's it's, if it's i mean in service you, well, you to... know
1: what i mean by morality
0: well, I I do know, and what that you mean morality I'm around, is grounded mean,
1: in the physical nature of the universe.
0: What, what the reason why I bring all this up is there are other perspectives, such as like submission to this. Uh, I'm gonna freak it up again. <laughs> a submission to this book,
1: you know, it's sure. for some people a it is a to submission the to the
3: idea of the foster mm-hmm. of the deity.
1: And and Trevor, mm-hmm. we can look at that framework for going about life and you know making moral evaluations and we can mm-hmm. say that one's not any good <laughs> but that not any good, not good, good. good but not any
0: good in relationship let... to what and to what end you're trying to get let something me. you're trying to get to... go ahead
1: tanner well let me let me uh... answer his question and then go ahead and what i'm saying is it's no good compared to my moral framework and worldview to do but again to, to do to, what though to uh to propagate human well-being or to support human well-being. I mean that's what my foundation of my morality is based on. Right. Which is why we can look at something like the third Reich in Nazi Germany and say, you know, well clearly their uh foundation for their morality was not human well-being. I mm-hmm. mean look at all the things they did. That's correct. Um, that's absolutely And correct. not everybody on the planet shares the same goal of seeing the furthering of Nazi Germany. But my presupposition: everybody on the planet cares about well-being. So it, you know, it's, it's it's something that is shared amongst all people. Do you get how that could be compared to something like an Islamic worldview or a Christian worldview or a you know any other number of worldviews that posit a a morality that they would say is better than another one?
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, I see what you're saying, uh, really, I do, and this is really difficult for uh, for this conversation, due to the fact that well, from my perspective, what I want, my relationship to this world, break. I agree with you I do. I believe in a physicalist world, not that I believe in it, but it seems to keep going whether or not I have any sort of knowledge or or ideas of it therein. It just happens and I do think that that is the absolute best way of visualizing reality in terms of moral, of a moral base uh to speak in terms of like what one ought to do and what what why does one do anything it seems to me that it is true to say all of these things in in service to some sort of uh, in service to morality let's say but that's because I want something I want I want society to advance I want to explore the stars I want to create Uh, civilizations that stand the test of time. I wanna explore all the little tendrils of ideas out there. I wanna explore physics and see how far the ladder goes and relativity. And I wanna see the furthest extent that we could push the human mind and and consciousness, whatever that is, I wanna do these things. And that determines what I want out of this life. And, And that's the issue. And that's the issue. Because there are other viewpoints that don't visualize reality according to those means. And it seems to me to all run under the underlying idea that it's all just the thrust of a particular way of uh, having fun, let's say, or catharsis. Well,
1: let's let Tanner speak. Tanner,
0: I am very sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, no, please. please stop being relevant.
0: <laughs> Tanner, you're very relevant. Um, so well, I think. Please. I think we ought to table. We should. Because, because
3: what I'm trying to say is like. I really want to talk about this subject and how it informs human behavior. That's what I really wanted to get to.
0: That's very important.
3: Like, like, you know, that was, I felt like that was the whole point, but we've, we've used up our time here. Mm -hmm. So we should continue this discussion uh, at another time for how it, and like leave this part of it behind and go to, okay, how does am... this inform the human yes. behavior?
0: Mm-hmm. So, so I'll go ahead and pass it around so we can all remember. What we'll probably do is, uh, right before the next time we take up, we'll all just listen to this episode again and then just carry on from where we left off. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's go off in the same order that we went before. Bray, if you have any final words, oh.
1: please. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess my final words are you, there are many different worldviews out there, many different ways of understanding uh, the nature of reality uh we have a method on this planet for determining uh what is actually true or what is mostly true about reality at a given time that's called science it's a very handy tool uh and i advise anybody that cares about their own well-being and the well-being of others and the continue continued pursuits of all that is right and good <laughs> to uh to admit themselves to a scientific practice or at the very least practice it well, uh, be reasonable, uh, because the more in line you are with the true nature of reality, the better off you are and the better off you are, the easier time you have pursuing things that you want out of your life. Uh, whether those are, you know, exploring outer space or developing some new technology or just going skiing or, you know, seeing a movie down the street. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's about it for me.
0: Mm, very cool. Very nice. Tanner, if you'd like to carry on.
2: Sure. Well, I'm going to say one thing and then pass it to Stephen. If you take a look at our solar system on the scale that we perceive, we orbit the sun. That is our perspective. That is what we know. That's what we define a lot of our time by. But if you zoom out, we're not really just orbiting the sun. We orbit the center, our, we orbit our galactic center. You can infinitely take that step back and look out, Further and further and further in a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger system. Ad infinitum, because the universe is, to our knowledge at the very least, infinite. We are playing in a game infinitely larger than us. Mm. And while I believe that we ourselves are insignificant, mm, and we have no ability to impact this infinite system, you know, on any noticeable scale, mm, what we do here, at the very least, does still matter, and it is our perception of these things that is existence, more or less.
4: Mm.
2: Stephen?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know,
2: uh,
3: much to the effect of what Tanner's talking about, um, I I just, I love the idea, I, I love the um, I love my ability to tell people, "Hey, it's it's probably time to grow up and treat people better." I think if I've extrapolated one thing out of this entire meeting, it's that we really should go through life at least pretending that the people around us have something worth uh, worth our time. Um, the people around us, at least we should we should at least pretend they know something that we don't. Um, to afford them uh, decent human respect uh, it's important take care of people
2: hmm. that actually reminds me of a very very lovely Paul Sagan quote that I can recite if I can find my yearbook, one second <laughs>
0: we'll get that man right back and then he was gone for ten minutes
1: <laughs> right, his, his screen's gonna freeze right here and then we'll be waiting indefinitely for for tenor to come back
0: just hear the sounds of pots and pans and crashing tins right. and all sorts of shit.
1: It's the fidgeting.
0: There we go.
2: People I'm back. Very good. This was my senior quote in high school, isn't I don't want to mess up the the, the...
1: Wording, if I can turn
2: to the right page, if I can.
1: <laughs> I promise it's worth it. What's the name? What's his name? Got to find the <laughs> <a name. laughs> we, we threw out his senior quote.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My God, where did they put us? My... This man brings out a SpongeBob quote at every possible moment, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I've
1: been doing that since high school. We had one class in high school, I think it was my English class, where at least four of us were well-versed in the Spongebob language. And, uh, man, it was a riot in there. His mayonnaise industry.
0: <laughs> they got the navy. Spongebob, they got Final. the navy.
2: <laughs> Fellas, I found it. Ah. Every one of us is in the cosmic perspective precious. And if a human disagrees with you, let him live. In a hundred billion galaxies, you will not find another.
0: I was going to I was gonna try to say something in the same vibe. So I might just, it might be fun just to cut it there. Cool. Well, everyone, this has been episode, I don't, uh, je n'ai des quoi. Uh, that's I think it's you eight. That. Here, I'll, I'll click the button. Everyone, this has been episode eight of Four More well, are No, an
1: abstract concept. It doesn't
0: matter. Thank you. Thank you.